0: Welcome to Hope Assembly of God Online. We believe no matter the journey, there is always hope. This is a recording of our live Sunday sermon, unedited, uncut, real. All right, well, I'm excited about the message today. Oh, I wanted to tell you this too, and then I'm going to start, I promise. Um, Starting in September, I'm going to do a series of seven different Sundays on the seven end times events starting with the rapture and tribulation and working our way through that and I'm excited about it I've been thinking about it for a while now we're going to start that in September we'll have it online and we'll have it on site however things are then I'm just continuing on with uh, the the preaching that that uh, we're we're doing in that but we're excited excited about that I don't know that I'll start the first week of September maybe the second week of September the seven end time events uh, we are I don't want to get into, we are in the last days from Pentecost till now, but we're actually going to talk about the end times, the end times. And do I believe that this is part of uh, the end times? I don't know. You know, I don't know that, but we are in the last days, the next major events, the rapture, whether we're a day away or a a thousand years, I don't know. That's God's call, not mine, but we're going to look at those things. Okay, let's look at today's message. Have you ever wondered how people make it through? You look at their lives from a distance and you say, how do they even make it? With all of the tragedy and troubles that they're facing, with all of the pressures that they're under, how do they make it? Uh, Believers, we look at their lives and how do they show such strength in the midst of the storms that they're facing? Because we know believers face storms as well. The difference is is that, that we're built on the rock. How do they make it? I don't know if you're like me, maybe you are, maybe you're not, but I'll see someone else's life. And obviously we deal with a lot of tragedy uh, in the ministry. And when the phone rings late at night, it's not good. It's never good. You know, you deal with a lot of tragedy and you look at other people's lives and you begin to think, oh, what, what would happen if that happened to me? You know, what if this and what if that and what if something else? Well, that's a bad way to, to, to look at things. Uh, we have to be careful in, in looking at what if. But how do people endure such hardships with such peace and with such, such strength? I'm going to show you today in Scripture how God's people endure and persevere through what we call trials, troubles, and tears. Trials, troubles, and tears cover a multitude of things. Whatever brings that into your life. Our passage that we looked at before, and we'll look a little deeper now, was written by the Apostle Paul to the Corinthians in his second letter to them. The Corinthian church was a troubled church, and he had written a letter to help them get straightened out. His second letter is a little I hate to say nicer, but it's not quite as strong um, as the first letter. But here's Paul. We know that he's an apostle and that he saw Jesus and met with Jesus face to face. We know that he was a missionary. He's a preacher, an author. He wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. He was a church planter. He survived you know, shipwreck and beatings within a, you know, an inch of his, of his life. Um, and now, in the beginning of chapter 12 of Second Corinthians, he had seen heaven. He was elevated to a place that, that others weren't. And so in this time, this is where God is working in his life. So you would think Paul and all of his Christian resume that if God would listen and answer anyone's prayers, it would be Paul based on resume. That, that whatever Paul was going through, he had a direct line to God and God would just immediately answer his prayers because he's, he's Paul. So, but here's Paul going through a difficult time and the, the Bible tells us a different story. And we're in 2 Corinthians 12, 7 through 10. It says, to keep me from becoming conceited because of these surpassingly great reser- re- reservations or revelations. Either way, you can throw whatever word comes out of your mouth. These exceedingly great revelations, meaning he saw heaven. Okay. There was given me a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. Verse nine, but he said to me, you know it, my grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, watch what he says, I delight, watch, it doesn't say, I delight in these revelations that no one else has seen. I delight in weaknesses. I delight in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties, for when I am weak, then I am what? Strong. Now, we don't know specifically what the thorn was, and I'm not going to, uh, you know, say Here's an important principle. When God doesn't tell us specifically certain things in Scripture, it's because he doesn't want us to know or we don't need to know. And this is one of those instances where we don't need to know what the thorn was in order to get the gist of what God was trying to accomplish. Human nature is that we would focus on the thorn and not the principle that God was trying to teach So he doesn't tell us what that thorn was, but we do know that the thorn was something persistent and something nagging. Have you ever had that before? I mean, just imagine a thorn, you know, picking a a, a rose and getting a thorn in the finger. Well, this thorn was in his side. It was persistent and nagging. It caused him great pain. God had a larger point to make in it in that God didn't take away the thorn. Even though Paul, the apostle and all of his resume, pleaded, he didn't just pray, he pleaded with God three times. And God said, well, I'm not going to take away the thorn, but I am going to give you something greater. I'm going to give you my grace. So we know this, Paul had a thorn, we know that it was sent by Satan, and it was used by God. God didn't cause the thorn, he used the thorn to accomplish his purposes. So God would use this thorn for three reasons. The first one is to show Paul his pride and to keep Paul humble. Self-sufficiency is a detriment to what God wants to accomplish in and through our lives. If we think that we can do it on our own, then we miss the power of God. Self-sufficiency is... Again, if Paul, in a natural sense, were to look at his resume, he could say, you know what, I've accomplished great things for God, and I can do whatever needs to be done. I, I, I. God was stripping him of all of that through this thorn to keep him humble. Self-sufficiency in your own life is a detriment to what God wants to do. If you only do what you can do in your own strength for God, then you're relying on yourself more than you're relying on God. See? And you know what the basis of self-sufficiency is, don't you? Pride. I can do this. But it's not even that. What I've experienced in church through the years is that people won't do what they know they're supposed to do watch this, because they think they have to do it in their own strength. And they look at their lives and they they know what God wants them to do, but they say, well, I I can't do that. That's exactly the point. You can't, but God can through you. And I wonder how many times we've missed the opportunity that God presents to us to not just experience his power flowing through us, but to be a blessing to other people because we've become so self sufficient and excuse me but so self-sufficient and prideful that we say no to God because we don't think that we can do it I mean if we cut through all the baloney isn't that what it boils down to God's never asked us to do anything that we could do in our own strength but he does ask us to do what he can do through us in obedience and so this thorn was allowed in Paul's life so that he wouldn't be self-sufficient, so that he wouldn't be filled with pride, so that he would be uh, reliant completely on God's strength and God's grace. If we rely on ourselves, our potential is limited. But if we rely on God's strength working through us, then our potential is unlimited. Everything that God has ever asked me to do in ministry, I had never done before. Everything. I had never left home when I went to Bible school. I was 17 years old. I was voted most likely to live with his mother the rest of her, his life. That was me. But God called, and I went. I had never been away from home. I never even went to like youth camp because I was afraid of being gone for a week. And all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit got a hold of my life, called me to ministry, and I was like, okay, I'm going to go. 17 years old. Went through that and all all the different things in in Bible school. I'd never youth pastored before I had youth pastored in Flemington, New Jersey. I'd never done that before. I had never planted a church when we planted a church in Greenbrook, now Middlesex, New Jersey. I had never pastored a church like this, of this size, with uh, multiple staff. I had never done any of that. I've never led through COVID before. I've never tried to keep the church going and on the same page without being able to see anybody for four months. But God gives the strength. Either say no to the Lord or you say yes to the Lord. And Lord, I'm just going to rely on you through this. We we say this. Again, I'm sorry. I'm Italian. I use my hands a lot. I'm trying to keep one hand in my pocket so I don't preach as long uh, today. But God says, you either trust me or you don't. You know, maybe they either going to trust him or not. So Paul was stripped of his pride and made humble through the thorn. God showed him his pride to keep him humble. The second thing God showed him was that God's grace was enough to see him through. My grace is sufficient for you. God, answers Paul, God answered Paul's prayer, but not in the way that he thought. He didn't take away the thorn. Instead, he gave him the grace to make it through. Tony Evans says this about God's grace it is the inexhaustible supply of his goodness that we cannot earn or do not deserve but that keeps on coming no matter how bad Paul's thorn got God promised that his grace would be more than enough to see him through no matter how bad your thorn has gotten God's grace is more than enough to see you through. And if your thorn lasts till tomorrow, his grace is more than enough for tomorrow. If it lasts a week, it's more than enough for a week. That's how believers make it through because God has given the grace. That's why when you worry about it, and you become filled with anxiety when you look at other people's lives and what if that happens to me, that's why you get anxious because you don't have the grace for their problem. You don't have the grace for their problem, for their thorn, but you will have the grace should a thorn come into your life. That's why we don't have to be anxious about what's going on in other people's lives thinking, well, what if that happens to me? If it were, first of all, it's out of your control. There's nothing you can do about it. Second of all, if you do face it, then God will be with you every step of the way and he will give you the grace that you need to make it through. Can you say amen even through a mask? The third thing that Paul, that God showed Paul is that God is strong in our weakness Tony Evans writes this, but I relate to it. When he would have a bad headache, he would need extra strength medicine. Did you ever have a headache where one Tylenol just doesn't seem to to do it? You need extra strength. Oh, I got to stop doing this. You need extra strength. You know, when we go through difficult times, we need extra strength. That's what God supplies to us. He gives us the extra strength that we, that we need to endure, to persevere, to continue to trust in him. If not for the weaknesses that God allows us to endure, we would lack the opportunity to see his sufficient grace. Sometimes he walks us through these dark times and these dark valleys so that we can experience his grace and his power in a way that we've never experienced it before. That's why when Paul saw things from God's perspective in verse 10 right after he wrote verse 9 my grace is sufficient for you verse 10 he writes that's why for Christ's sake I delight in my weaknesses how was he able to say that who who says that I delight in my weaknesses we don't want people to know our weaknesses we want them to know our strengths we want them to know all that we've accomplished we want them to know all that we've done Paul takes all of his accomplishments and calls them rubbish, rubbish. Calls it rubbish. And then he looks at his weaknesses and he says, that's what I'm going to delight in. I'm going to delight in my weaknesses, in the insults, in the hardships, in the persecutions, in the difficulties because it's through those times that I've experienced God's strength and God's grace. God didn't cause the thorn. It's important that you know that. But he used the thorn to strip Paul of his self-sufficiency. He used the thorn to show Paul that his grace was enough to see him through. He used the thorn to show Paul that God is strong when we are weak. In fact, his strength is revealed to us in a greater way, the weaker that we are. That's why. That's why. I delight or I rejoice in my weaknesses, Paul writes. As most of you know, over the past couple of years, I had been very sick through different times. I I went to the ER uh, the first time in a whole series of things that happened over two years with severe gastritis, which is an inflammation of the stomach lining. It has the same... um, Effect as an ulcer, stomach ulcer with nausea. And nausea, although I'm not Superman, nausea is my kryptonite. I can handle pain better than, than nausea. It just does a number on me. Um, and so I had severe nausea. And then when that started to get better, I had severe pain on my one side and ended up in the ER that turned out to be diverticulitis. If you've ever had that, that's a miserable experience as as well. And then they gave me very strong uh, uh, antibiotics because it was severely inflamed and affected and God forbid that it would have burst, it would have been worse. And because of that, I was vulnerable to C. diff, which is a bacterial infection that you can get through hospitals and different things. And that made me incredibly sick. I remember through that time I was so sick and, and, and dehydrated and, and, and all of those things and we had um, some serviceman coming to the house like, like they were doing some service on the house, not military and Nick showed up and he came just at the right time. I've not called Nick an angel often, I've called him other things but not an angel often but it was like an angel had come to help me through that because I was just in bed. I couldn't do it and he was there and and helped with that. And then during the diver, no, during the C diff, I became so hydrated that I passed out and hit my head. So this is my sense of humor even when I'm sick. I'm laying on the ground, door's not home, she's at work and I'm going, well, this is a predicament. And so I was able to get to my phone and I called her. And then I'm debating in my mind as how smart I am. Should I call her or should I wait? And I just passed out, hit my head. Should I wait? So thankfully I called her and she came home and and back to the hospital again uh, for that. Over those uh, sicknesses, I had lost over 40 pounds in a bad way. I looked good, but I felt terrible uh, through it. Now, you know, I'm getting back up to my fighting weight, but I feel a lot better. Then in November of last year, I had something called an SMI dissection. And that's where your, your vein, veins that come off the main artery to your lower organs split. So if you're in a hallway and it has wallpaper, it's split. And so the blood was flowing behind the wallpaper, which is not right. So every time it's split, it caused severe pain. So on a Wednesday, I was in such intense and severe pain. I was in the, in the office. I knew I was going to have to go to the ER, so I'm trying to get stuff done. Didn't know how long I'd be out, so I was trying to delegate everything before I went to the hospital. And a door came home again. God bless my, my saintly wife. You all know that she's a saint, and you all know that she needs your prayers, right? You know me well enough to know that my poor wife needs your prayers. So uh, this was severe pain, and I went to the ER, and they gave me morphine, and then they said, how are you feeling? Because <laughs> they did the CAT scan and didn't find anything. So they're thinking that it's nothing, whatever it is, so they gave me morphine. How are you feeling? I'm feeling great. You gave me morphine. I feel good, you know, and sent me home, and I just went through five days of sickness, And then on Monday of the next week, I was sitting in on the couch and I got a a severe attack of this pain again. What was happening is the dissection was expanding because when they finally caught it, they could see the two times that it expanded and I was just praying, I was, God give me wisdom. I've been to the ER, they didn't see anything. But I, I know this pain is not normal. And he just dropped it in my heart, call your primary care. And in my mind, I'm thinking, well, I've already been to the hospital. I've already ta-. call the primary care. And I did, and they got me in, which is a miracle of its own on that day. And they saw the pain I was in, sent me to a different ER. When they took the CAT scan, they saw the dissection. They rushed me to Cooper Hospital, because if it had continued, or if that vessel would have burst, it would have stopped all of the blood flow to my organs. Okay, and you know that's not good. I'm not a doctor, but that's not good. So I'm getting to a point here. I spent the next five days in the in the hospital, and I had never been in the hospital like that before. I had been to the ER, but nothing like that. And I have some issues of anxiety when I'm out of my comfort zone and you kind of need to know that to get to the point of this I don't like to travel I am not good at traveling I, I don't like to be outside of a certain area I mean I fight through it by God's grace but if I had my choice so certainly being in a hospital with a serious ailment was not something that gives you peace But as I was there with, you know what it's like, you know, all the tubes and all of the things and the heart monitors and everything else they were monitoring. I couldn't even get up on my own to use the restroom. I had to call for help and, you know, there's no privacy or dignity during those times. You understand. I had peace through it all. And the reason I'm telling you this now is because as I was preparing for the message, I thought about that all over again and I got nervous all over again. Because in my own strength, I'm thinking, I can't do this. How could I be in the hospital that long with all that going on and my, my wife going back and forth from Camden at all hours of the night and having to park and all? And I was getting anxious this week thinking about what had happened in the past. But then the realization came to me that while I was going through it, God gave me the grace that I needed to make it through. And the reason I'm telling you this is because I know that he will give you the grace that you need to make it through whatever you're going through. I know it firsthand. I know it according to scripture and believe it, but I've experienced it firsthand. And I'm here to tell you this morning, if you hear nothing else, whatever you're going through, God's grace is sufficient He will be with you. He will give you his peace. He will give you his power. He will give you his strength. You will make it through. Don't give up. Keep going. God is with you. Don't let the enemy say that God's against you. That's why you're sick. That's a lie. Just like everything else the devil says. One last thing, and I'll close. I had been up for 36 to 48 hours because we were in the emergency room forever. And then by the time they transfer you in an ambulance to Cooper and, and then they come in, you know, teams of doctors and everything. And Dora finally went home for the first time. Technically, it would have been Tuesday in the middle of the night. Since Monday, she went to work, you know, all the, all the way through. And when she left... I heard the enemy's voice say, well, you're, you're all alone now. Now what? But I heard a greater voice. A voice that has no equal. A voice that has no rival. And it said this, and he said this, I will never leave you and never forsake you. You will never be all alone. Can you hear the voice of the Lord this morning? Because he's speaking that to you right now. You're not alone. God loves you. And if you're not sure anybody else loves you, I love you. And the people of this church love you. And when you ask for prayer, this church prays. And prayer makes a difference. Prayer doesn't always change our circumstances but it always changes us. God's grace is sufficient for you. God's love is enough. God's presence brings peace. God says to you today as I close this part, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power, meaning God's power, is perfected in your weakness. If you're weak today, God is strong. Let me give you three things Admit your weakness, ask God for his strength. You see what's happening? We're humbling ourselves. We're getting rid of self-sufficiency because we're asking for help. Admit your weakness, ask God for his strength, and then allow God to work in his way and in his time because his grace is sufficient. And all God's people said together, amen and amen. Thank you for listening to Hope Online Podcast. For more information about Hope Assembly of God, go to www.godgivesyouhope.com or download our app in the App Store.